I, um, I have been really enjoying my time here at the camp. Uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying your time. I've, I've, um, I've grown very close in a short period of time, very close to a lot of you. And I'm, uh, my heart breaks knowing that tomorrow I'm, I will be going back to Sydney. But uh, it also, I also rejoice that you guys are, um, you guys are in good hands. That you guys will worship God together. Um, that you guys will build each other up. Um, I, I just want to um, uh, just <clears throat> talk about the leadership of this of this church, uh, the people who have been um, um, constantly. Working together, uh, praying for each and every single one of you. Um, there's quite a few of you here, and uh, when I was asking uh, asking different people how many leaders are at the camp today, uh, or at the camp, um, it was seven, and I was like, "Wow, you know, for the number of people in this camp, there are seven people here who have been working." been working. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but during our free times, during our times when we're playing games and things like that, these leaders are preparing, they're working, they're, they're doing things. And there are so many times when I see them, I can see that they, there's, a, there's tiredness in their eyes. And yet, and yet they can do this because they love you guys so much. They, they see something. They see the potential. They see they see that they do not want to see you guys leave here without Christ. And so um, make sure that you go to your leadership. Uh, pray for them. Pray for them. I don't know if you know, but one of the tactics of the enemy is to target the enemy. The, the enemy. They target the head. They target the, the, the leaders. The leader falls, the whole church falls. And so uh, pray for your leaders. Pray that they would, they would be united. Pray that they would be strengthened. Pray that their love and passion for God would not fail. There was one time I, I was preaching to uh, a bunch of um, Korean, um, Korean adults. I was preaching in Korean, which is crazy, right? And as I was preaching, I'm sorry, can we turn on the lights? Just... As I was preaching these, um, I, I noticed that um, I asked them this question: "What, what is, um, what is the most important thing about being a youth leader? You know, about being a, a teacher in in Sunday school, about teaching these children." I was like, "Isn't it that we love these children?" And they're like, oh, amen, yep, yep. And I was like, wrong! And they're like, what? Like, shouldn't we love our... No, that's not the number one. That is important. These leaders love you, you know. But there's something more important. Isn't it that you love God with passion? Isn't that the most important thing? And they're like, oh, yeah, yes, of course. Yes, of course. And I was like, no! And they're like, What? Surely that's the most important. No, that is not the most important thing. The most important thing about teaching, ministering to youth, ministering to each of you, the, the thing you want to see in your leaders is that they are loved by God. They are loved by God. 
So bless them, pray for them, encourage them, tell them how much they mean to you. Um, you know, every now and then drop the L word, you know, I love you, you know, say it, say it to them, you know, because, um, yeah, they love hearing it, you know, they love hearing it. So they love you very much. I, I can see it in their actions. Um, yeah. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis, Genesis, first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to start from verse 2. It says, it's an account of the first children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to start midway through verse 2. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for each person here. We pray that you would meet us here today. Lord, may we not leave here unchanged. May we not leave here untouched by your love. But Lord, teach us, speak to us. May your Holy Spirit reside in each of our hearts at this moment. May I become less, may you become more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, um, I am a religious man. I'm a religious man. I'm, I've done quite a lot of um, religious things, right? Every Sunday, I go to church. Every Sunday, I go to church. Sometimes, on Sundays, I'm there from 9 in the morning. 9 in the morning, an hour earlier than most people at church. Because it's an uh, uh, Egyptian church, about an hour and 30 minutes <laughs> earlier than everyone, right? And then I'm there. I, 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 I get there around 9, and I'm there sometimes till 4, 6, you know, sometimes we have all these meetings 
have to spend time with people. Sometimes my, my wife and children go home in a separate car. Sometimes they go home, we come in this one car, they go home and I take the train. But I'm a religious man, you know, I do a lot of religious things. When I eat, when I eat, unless we pray all together as a group, sometimes I'll sit there and I'll pray by myself, you know, dear God, thank you for this food. It, it's very quick. Thank you for this food. I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I love it. I end up enjoying it every time. Yeah. I pray before I eat. I pray before I sleep. It's an intense time of prayer during that time. And I do it in the most, like, it's almost the way most people pray in the Bible. You know how people lay down on their face. When I'm, I lay down on my back and I pray to God, looking at God, you know. But I pray all the time, right? I'm a religious man. I give, I tithe, I take 10% of what I earn and I give to the church. I even give to, to charities. I even give to Wikipedia. They're like constantly asking me for $5, right? Like, man, you know, like, now I have to. But constantly, I give to all these vending machines. You know, I give a lot, right? <laughs> uh, why? Because I am a religious man. You know? I make sure I'm, I'm, uh, I give a little more on Sundays, um, on Easter, on Christmas. I, make sh I actually wear a suit to church every Sunday. It's a funny story why, but I do that every Sunday. I wear a suit. Okay? I do this, why? Because I am a religious man. Pray, read the Bible. I have a Bible app. Have you seen that Bible app? I have that. And I'm, I'm, I have streaks. It's something like 400 something days of opening it. That's all it is, opening it. You just open it when it has a, you know. But streaks, man, I'm a religious man. Truly, I will stand before God someday. I will stand before God someday and I will say to Him, God, isn't it amazing all the religious things that I have done? I have done it for you. Open up your gates and let me in. Truly, I will say that to God. Yes? No. No. No, no, no. As we look at this passage, we see that there are two kinds of people. And I want to think, I want you guys to be thinking about your own life. Am I, a, what kind of person am I? Amongst these two people, am I Cain or am I Abel? Am I one or am I the other? I, um, I, I look at you guys and, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, these, these are great people. I love, I love spending time with them. You know, the, the way you guys love each other, you know, there's one... There's one point where I'm like, man, they must truly love each other. 
if they're going to blindfold themselves and smack each other <laughs> to the point of injuring your wrist with um, soda bottles, right? Man, that's love, yes? Uh, such great people, right? Oh, you know? And it's this passion that we have. We have this passion for life. We have this passion for, for church. We have this passion for, for, for fun. And we spend all this time. And yet, if what is going to happen when you stand before God? When you stand before God, what is He going to say to you? Are you ready? Are you ready? Shady shared uh, this passage this morning. I want to look at it again. Um, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows up his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. My, um, I'm a lot older than I look. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually quite old, right? Uh, not that old, but probably older than everybody here, right? And uh, one of the things I've noticed is um, I'm starting to feel old. I'm starting to feel old. I'll go to the doctor and they'll do a blood test and they will say, these things are no longer working the way it's supposed to work. Your liver, you know, it's not meant to eat that much fat. You know? Your cholesterol very high, you know, your blood sugar not good. You know, and it's like, oh, what can I do, doctor? It's like exercise and diet. I'm like, what else can I do? <laughs> like, there must be something out of it. You know? But you know, you have this sense, I, I'm getting old. Why? Because your flesh is temporary. Your flesh, as soon as you are born, it's dying. And it's, it's amazing because uh, actually it, it, it builds up. You grow. And at a certain age, it stops growing and it starts corrupting. It starts falling apart. It starts doing things it's not supposed to do. Things break a little bit easier. Things do not last as long as they should. Right now, you guys are young and you guys think, Oh, I will live forever. But you will someday, in a long time from now, be as old as me. right? And you'll feel it. You'll feel this. And yet... I still have many years to go, hopefully, God willing. But there will be a time when my flesh will no longer do anything except rot. This beautiful face that I spent almost two minutes a day working on, it will someday do nothing but rot. It will no longer be this beautiful, handsome, whatever other adjective you would use to describe it, right? But it will, it, will, it will rot away. It will become nothing. It will become dust. But we who sow our own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. 
If you are focusing on sowing into your flesh, then all you are going to get out of it is corruption. And when it's talking about flesh, it's talking about this temporary life that we live right now. Do not focus all your energy, all your weight on this life. I have, um, I love eating. If you haven't noticed, I love eating, right? And I get to this point where every now and then, every now and then, I will go to a fine dining restaurant. And it's ridiculous the amount of money we spend in these places, right? Usually not my money, right? And I'll get this something. I'll get something. It looks amazing. You just look at it and it's amazing. And so what do you do as you look at, what is the first thing you do? Take a photo. Who said that? You know me. That's right. You are 100% right. You take a photo. Doesn't matter who you're with. You'll take a photo of your food. Do you notice that? Do you ever take a photo of the people you're eating with? Within the food, picture with the food? No. It's like, stay out of my picture. The food. And you take a photo. Some people have yelled at me. Because I've eaten my food without taking a photo. I'm like... I you know what's amazing? It's beautiful. You eat it. And when you eat it, it tastes amazing. And then... And then you forget. You forget. You forget what it tasted like. You just know it was good. You forget what it looked like. It's just a little blurry image in your head. Certain colors. You forget it becomes nothing. It becomes something, but yeah, let's not talk about toilet jokes here, right? <laughs> you know, it, we lose it. it. Everything we have becomes nothing. It gets corrupted. We spend so much time and energy in this life, and that's all that comes out of it. In you know, a Lion King, when Mufasa, he tells his beautiful son, he's like, oh, all this, you know, this is a circle of life. We eat the antelope, and then we die, and uh, we become grass feed for the antelope. You know, like, it's a circle of life, and it's like, wow, how awesome. No, it's not awesome. Is that where you're destined to be? To be antelope food. Not even antelope food. Food for your antelope food. Is that all you're destined to be? Is that what we look forward to in life? Or do we look at our own selves and we say, this is the life I want to live. I recently um, um, connected Facebook with Accor, right? And I noticed a video. I love this video. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I think it applies. Francis Chan. Francis Chan, you know, is a Chinese pastor in the States. I've met him. This is, this is me trying to be like him, right? And he has this long rope. He has this long rope that goes around the room. And he takes the rope, and if you look carefully, there's a little sticker, like a tape. And he says, this rope, if it, if it represents eternity, our eternity in heaven, our eternity with God, this little piece of tape here, this little mark here, that thing that most of you can barely see, is, what is it? 
that's the life we live right now. And yet, right now, we spend everything we can to make this as amazing as possible. In fact, we do it to the point where we don't care about the rest of this eternity. We will sacrifice the rest of this eternity if we can have just a great little mark here. What are you living for? What will you live for? When we see the, <clears throat> this passage, it says, For one who sows from his own flesh will from flesh reap riches, glory, no, corruption, rotting away. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What are we planting our seeds in? I have a, a garden. I was talking about this garden. And you can imagine how big it is. I have a huge yard and I have a tiny garden about two meters by two meters. That's it. And there's a certain, certain food I want to grow in this garden, right? mostly jalapenos. Right? And so I will start to plant but my wife loves tulips. And she says, let's plant tulips here. And I will say, tulips do not taste good. <laughs> Why? Why would you waste this precious soil, precious space on tulips? You cannot sow in both. You cannot sow both flesh and spirit. You cannot serve two masters. It's either one or the other. But what are you living for? What is the, the true goal in your life? What is the thing that you are chasing? One of the things I hear a lot about um, this current generation, and you know, I've heard it when my generation was young, and you know, they lack passion. They lack passion. I've, I've seen a lot of passion in this generation. I've heard them be passionate about, about games, passionate about girls, passionate about clothes. It's amazing how passionate this generation can be. But for what? But for what? Even, even looking at it from a secular point of view, it seems like they're wasting time. There's only one thing you can be passionate about that is truly worth something. We look at this passage, back to Genesis chapter 4, we look at this passage and we see Cain and Abel, these two brothers. And there's two brothers, they're both farmers. One focuses on livestock. Abel focuses on sheep. Tends to the sheep, he's a shepherd, you know. Takes the sheep, you know, shears them, creates clothes, and, you know, eats them, right? Provides for the whole family. Cain's, uh, he works with, you know, food, the um, plants, you know, vegetables, fruit, you know, probably mostly jalapenos, right? And he would create these things, and, and Cain does something amazing. He, he initiates this. He says, you know what? I have this bountiful harvest. Look at all this fruit and vegetables. You know what I'm going to do? 
harvest. And as he harvests, he takes his best. He's, it's it's got to be his best because he's presenting it to God and he says, God, this is for you. And then Cain takes one of his sheep, his lamb, firstborn, he takes it, kills it, sacrifices it with the fat portions. When it talks about fat portions, it's talking about the best parts of meat. Right? I didn't realize, I don't like, I, I'm not, my favorite part of meat isn't the meat. My favorite part of steak isn't the red part, you know, that turns brown. You know, that's not my favorite part. My favorite part's the fat. Delicious, delicious fat. And he takes this, you know, he takes this, the stuff that makes the meat the best flavorful, and he takes it and he sacrifices it, gives it to God. And God only looks at Abel's offering. And I thought, I thought about this, and I was like, yeah, God is obviously a man, you know, male God, because he's like, oh, meat, barbecue, I like this, right? Right? And I was like, but as I thought about it, I was like, it's a bit unfair, because what does Cain do? Cain's a farmer. Cain's doing all this crop stuff, you know? What's he going to give? He's going to give the best of what he makes. So it's not fair that he's a farmer and you know, Abel's a shepherd. That's not why God is upset. God doesn't accept Cain's offering. The reason he doesn't accept Cain's offering is the heart Cain has when he presents this offering. He presents an offering and he says, God, here is a gift for you. Now you owe me. He comes before God saying, I don't need anything. You've been really good to me. I'm a pretty good person. I listen to my parents. I'm, I'm working really hard to provide all these plants. But you know what, God? I'm going to sacrifice some of this and I'm going to give this to you. I want to buy. I want to buy your favor. Have you ever done this? Have you ever done this? Have you ever said to God, here is some money. I'm going to give you some money. You owe me. You owe me. I'm sure none of you have done that, right? You can't buy God, right? We do it all the time. We do it in our religious actions. We do it in our, when we, whenever we come to church for the sake of coming to church. We do it every time we come with the sense that I am ticking this box. I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But now, God, you owe me. Is that all it is? What Cain does is he says, and you know this is how he feels. You know he's saying, this is what I want. Why? Because when God doesn't accept his offering, what does he do? He gets very angry. He gets very angry at God. How dare you? not accept my gift. 
I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Friday. I pay for a youth camp. I go to this youth camp. When Daniel yells at me to be quiet, I be quiet before he says one, right? Before he says one. I could be a bit quiet for four more seconds, right? I be quiet. I do what I'm supposed to do. I take off my shoes when I jump on the trampoline. But we cannot buy God. What's different about Abel? What's different about Abel? Abel recognizes he owes God. He owes God. Have you ever owed somebody something? My uh, brother and I, we were you know, very close in age, and we loved the instant noodles, ramen, right? Ramen noodles. We loved it. And every now and then, when my parents weren't home, we'd be like, hey, go make me instant noodles. And my brother would say this. He'd be like, I'll be your best friend if you do it. And I'd be like, oh, it would be great if this cool guy was my best friend. So, okay, I'll do it. The problem was, the next time he wanted ramen noodles, he'd like, oh, make it for me. I'll be your best friend. I'm like, wait, you're already my best friend, right? Because he loves them. I said, ah, oh, okay, I'll owe you a favor. I'll owe you a favor. <laughs> what can I get him to do? So what happens a week later? I'm hungry, and what do I do? Hey, bro, my best friend, make me a ramen. Go make it. He's like, no, psh, little punk. Like, I don't need to do anything for you. You owe me a favor. I'm like, oh, darn it. Yes, I do. You know what's funny is that builds up. I used to save him up. He's, to this day, he owes me over a hundred favors. <laughs> hundred favors. And I had a younger sister. I owe her like 200 favors. <laughs> you know, you, when you owe somebody something, you know that sense of debt, that sense of feeling of, man, I owe you. Have you ever owed somebody something so much and they canceled the debt? They canceled the debt. Has that ever happened? It's amazing. The sense of freedom. The sense of having to owe somebody something and then that being gone. With Abel, when he brought a, a lamb, he knew, I owe God death. He looked back one chapter before. Yeah, it wasn't a chapter for him. You know, was, you know when his parents... When they stood before God with their, their fig leaves that they sowed to protect themselves, to cover their shame, their nakedness. When they stood before God, those fig leaves were not enough. God saw their shame. God saw their nakedness. God saw their sin. And what does he do? He says, what was the command? If, if you eat of this fruit, if, this, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. I ask people, did they die? Did they die? 
They ate the fruit. Eve ate the fruit and she said, oh, he's a nice. Gave it to her husband and he goes, oh, she didn't die. You know, oh, this is nice. Did they die? I said, oh, they died spiritually. They didn't die. They stood before God, yes? In His grace, He did not kill them right away. But something had to die. Something had to die to cover their sin, cover their shame. You know what's the first time something dies in the Bible? It's not Abel. It's not when Cain kills Abel. It's not even when Abel kills an animal, sacrifices an animal. The first time something dies is when God kills an animal to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. Kills an animal, takes a skin. I really hope he killed it and didn't just take its skin, you know? But he kills the animal, takes its skin and covers, covers their shame. Can animal skins truly cover your shame? Cover your nakedness before God? No. It was pointing to something greater. And Cain underst uh, Abel understood this. As he killed this animal, killed the firstborn, the thing that was owed. He said, for my life, this animal will die. Cain didn't understand that. Cain's concept was, I do this for you. You owe me, God. Abel's understanding was, I owe God death. Here is death. This animal will die for me. That is the sacrifice he places. It's not a sacrifice of your own things. An ex, oh, I won't, I'll live with a little bit less food. No, it's a sacrifice of death pointing to something. And this points to a death. Because Cain should have been, when he realizes, I owe God death. I owe God death. What should he have done? When Cain saw that God did not like his offering, when it wasn't good enough, in fear, what should he have done? He should have went to his brother. He should have used some of his fruit and said, can, can I buy a lamb? Or even better, it's his brother. Can you go? Take this lamb and can you sacrifice it for me? Can you pray for me on, your be on, 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 on my behalf before God? Now, what does he do? He takes Abel and he kills his own brother. And when God asks him where he is, he says, you know, I don't know, my brother's uh, am I my brother's keeper? And this is what God says. Verse 10, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. His blood cries. What is it crying to God? What is it saying to God? What is his brother? Justice. Give me justice. My brother killed me. My brother took my lifeblood. I want justice. 
as God sees the blood of his child lying on the ground, it cries out to him, justice. You think, oh, it's, it's horrible. It's a sad story. Cain is cursed, cast out. What more? It points to something. It points to God having his son, seeing his son's blood fall to the ground on the cross, crying out, crying out justice. But what does it cry out? What does the blood of Christ cry out? Forgive them. They know not what they do. You can come before God. You can come to church and you can come to these meetings and you can say to God, God, I have everything I need in life. You can come before God and say, God, I am desperate for, for you to give me better grades. God, I am desperate for you to give me a, a, um, a, good, a good job. God, I am desperate for you to give me more money, a perfect wife, a perfect husband. 2.5 kids, you know, like, there's, I want this God. Give me, give me, give me God. This is what I want in this life. And I think we should. We should definitely pray those things. Maybe not the 0.5 part. Right? We, but what, do, what should we be praying for? Salvation. For the blood of Christ to save us. We have a brother in Christ. A brother who has access to the Lamb. To blood. blood and when he gives his life, willingly gives his life, the blood cries out to God forgive them forgive them they know not what they do I, um, I love my brother he's, uh, he's a bit naughty but he used to take really good care of me we used to wrestle a lot as children. Um, obviously, I was, I was a younger brother. I was a year younger. We were just a little over a year apart. And he used to take me down. And every now and then, I'd put him in a crazy wrestling mood. And, but usually, he'd win. And then he did something called puberty. Suddenly, he was bigger, stronger, faster. Everything was better. And he would wrestle me no more. It wasn't even a contest. You know, he'd hold my head and I'd be like, you know, there was that kind of, he was just very powerful, you know. And during that time, he could have bullied me. He could have been like, hey, you remember those times we fought, you know. No. Suddenly he grew up and he took very good care of me. And one day he grew older and... Um, he stopped going to church. He 
started to do a lot of bad things, a lot of drugs, um, and um, you know, my heart went out for him, especially after I became Christian, after I, I, um, I realized my sinfulness, the need for God, and I gave my life to Christ. I remember thinking, my brother needs Christ. My brother needs him. And so one day I remember sitting him down and begging him, you need to know who Christ is. He died for your sins. It was a desperate call, but not desperate enough. I remember him saying to me, you know, Alex, I, it's great. It's great that you follow Christ. It's great the life I see him doing. You know, I see him growing in you. I can see that impact in your life. I think it's great. But I don't think it's for me right now. Right now, I'm having too much fun. I'm young, healthy, I'm, uh, you know, good looking. You know, he didn't say that, but he knew me. That's, he's like, I'm just having too much fun. Maybe when I'm older, when I have children, you know, I have a family, then I'll settle down and I'll start going to church. The horrible thing was, I was satisfied with that answer. I was like, ah. Oh. Someday, someday when he has a family, he'll settle down. I stopped. My father kicked him out of the house one day. I remember this. I, I, I was very sad. I really loved my brother, right? Kicked him out, and I was like, oh. And I remember this one day I, I called out to him. I called him, and I was like, can I buy you dinner? So I took him to have dinner at a small diner. It wasn't, it was like $20 for him, myself, and his friend, right? America is a long time ago. And, I, and we ate, and I was like, wow, it's the first time I bought a meal for my older brother. He's bought me food all the time, but it was the first time I bought something for him, and I felt good, and I was like, it's good to see you, and we parted. He, um, he came back home one day, because he was dirt poor, and he started to live with us again. And as he started to live with us, he stopped doing drugs. He stopped um, getting into a lot of fun. He got a job and he's starting to put his life back together. And I went to a church, uh, church function Saturday morning. And I got a, I got a call from my parents, come home. Come home, I, you need to take me to the hospital. And I was like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And my mother said, your brother's been shot. I actually rejoiced at that moment. Why? Because I was like, oh, maybe, maybe now. You know, I was imagining he got, you know, a spinal injury or something, you know. And I was like, oh, maybe now. Now he'll settle down. Maybe now he'll see the importance of Christ. When I went to see him at the hospital, I knew that it was not going to be the case. He had been shot in the head. He was not going to make it. And as I looked at my brother, I looked at his life. I remember praying to God, Oh God, how amazing would this man be as a pastor? the amount of charisma he has, the strength, 
the passion, his love for people, man, he would be amazing. God, please take him, use him as your servant. I remember praying those things and suddenly none of this was going to happen. Suddenly I knew that I was never going to get my favors back. And he didn't make it. I love my brother. He was amazing. He was an amazing person to me. Maybe not to other people, but to me he was amazing. And all I can think at that moment was, I had so many chances. I had so many chances to give him good news. I had so many chances to plant the seed, to reap a harvest. You know how scary it is to think if God says to you, look, the harvest is white, ripe for harvest. Look, it's time to reap. And you go, oh, I'm going to wait a little bit more. Maybe later. To see somebody you love so much laying there in bed and not know. Not know. Not have that assurance that I would see him again in heaven. Tonight, do not leave this place. Do not leave this place not knowing Christ. Do not leave this place building your own kingdom. Do not leave this place with anything less than God himself. Do not leave this place in boasting in anything but the blood of Christ. There is nothing worth more. Nothing. Your pride, your friendships, your family, there's nothing worth the blood of Christ. And it is calling to you. It's calling out to God, save them. Save them. They know not what they do. Do you hear him calling you right now? Do you hear the blood that, that, that he shed for you, calling to you to say, I am enough. I paid this price for you. There is nothing worth more. There is nothing, nothing else you can depend on. I depend on my phone to tell me the time. It's let me down a few times. I depend on, I depend on my car to take me to work. It's let me down. I depend on my friends and family to love me perfectly. They've let us down. They've let me down. I depend on the blood of Christ. I depend on it alone to save me. 
it will not let me down. Right now, I want us to close our eyes. <clears throat> if, you, if you think you're going to fall asleep, don't close your eyes. Just, just look down. Put your heads down. Uh, look at the ground. Try not to fiddle with anything in your hands. Just, um, just focus on these things. We are all sinners. Before God, before a holy God, we have nothing to present to Him. We have nothing but dependence on Him. Utter, utter dependence. And as we stand before Him, as you stand knowing that there will be a harvest, that you will either be in the harvest where you are taken and taken for Him, or you will be in the harvest of His wrath. Right now, I want us to think about this. Is Christ enough? Is He who I want to dedicate my life to? Is He the life that I want for me? We're going to pray right now. Um, and um, I want, can I get some of the leaders to come up right now? Just the leaders to stand up here. And um, we're going to spend a bit of time praying. And I, this is what I want to do. As, I, as, we, as you think about your life, as you think about what can you offer God, what can God offer to you, as you think about what I want to do for, for the rest of eternity, for the rest of my life. If you want to present, present with God something new, if you want to give God your all, if you want to give Him nothing less than your whole life, if you want to be part of that harvest, I... I, can you guys, uh, keeping your head down, keeping your eyes closed, can you guys lift up your hands? And if the leaders can just, um, if whoever you see lifting up their hands, can you not just go and pray for them? Can you remember, can you remember to keep praying for them, to keep them accountable for, for what they're promising now? And as we pray together, let's pray for each other. Let's, um, um, Let's spend this time in prayer. Let's, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, but I want us to spend a, a bit of time in, in silent prayer. And yeah, just seek after God with me. Let's go. We thank you for all that you do. If you hear the Spirit calling you now, 
if you hear that your life is worth the blood of Christ, if you need Him, if you need that blood to cover you, raise your hand right now and the leaders will come and pray for you. Don't waste this time. Don't, uh, don't think about the person around you, but at this time, depend on Christ. For those who have already heard this call, who already have accepted, uh, pray for those around you. Pray that the Spirit would move. Pray that hearts would be transformed. Lord, I pray that you would work in this place now. Lord, I pray that you would be with us now. I pray that you would uh, reveal your spirit to us now, Lord. We have nothing to offer to you. We are broken. We are poor. Lord, may we not wait for another opportunity. May we not wait for when we have settled down, when we have given our all to other things. But Lord, now, Lord, I pray that each person here would begin this, this path, Lord. Lord, I pray for you to be with us. Let's, um, <clears throat> let's keep praying. Um, let, me, um, let, me, let me close um, close with prayer. And If you guys are being prayed for, if you are praying for somebody, continue to pray for them. Um, I'll ask the praise team. Uh, um, to come up. Let's, um, I think, um, you can always depend on each other to pray for you. You know, you don't have to have the leaders praying. But, yeah, seek prayer from each other. Don't think that um, somebody else is more holy. But we all have access to God together. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, um, 
this night. We thank you for all that you're doing in these young people's lives. We, we thank you for the blood that covers us. Lord, as we, as we think about this blood, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us who you are. You would reveal to us a love that is greater, a love that is so great that you would give everything for us, even your son. And Lord, as we, as we think about this blood, a blood that cries out to you, Lord, may we trust in this blood. May we trust in the Christ that loves us and gives himself for us. Lord, we thank you that, that Christ is not dead, but that he is risen. And we trust in this future resurrection for all that we know, for all that we owe. Our debt is paid in you. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.